Welcome to Is This Real Life? A Bravo podcast that relates our favorite shows to our own lives and the world around us. I'm your host, Mandy Slutsker. Let's get to it. Hi, everyone. I hope you're having a great week. It's your favorite multi-feline feminist communist. (laughs) For those of you who follow me on Instagram, you may have seen in my stories this week that I have had some rather colorful uh, reviews as of late. (laughs) I guess some of my political jokes trigger people. Um, But this is just a friendly reminder that it is my podcast. And you can turn it off at any time. No one is forcing you to listen to it. So if it makes you so upset, I I'm sorry that it does. But, um, you know, just turn it off. (laughs) This is why I always say if you guys have commentary for me or constructive criticism or anything you want to share, you can DM me. My DMs are open at Mandy Slutsker. (laughs) All right, I did I did get a kick out of it a bit. Um, Especially, you know, being called a what multi feline feminist communist. uh, Knowing my father has, you know, escaped communism was uh, chef's kiss. Anyway, uh, this week's podcast is so fun. I have Zell Brooks on. She is the host of the podcast Who Asked Me, and she's also a comedian. But we actually talk about some pretty serious topics um, this week, and I, I really enjoyed our conversation. We didn't get a chance to talk about the Real Housewives of New Jersey, so I'm going to share my thoughts for just a bit. But I feel like this season is a bit of a flop People feel like it's a chore to watch, uh, myself included. It's not particularly enjoyable. I do love seeing Dolores happy. Every scene with Dolores, I enjoy. But the whole Melissa, Teresa wedding thing is just being dragged on and on and on. And it's very clear that both Teresa and Melissa and Joe Gorga, they, they all hate each other. And I don't... I don't necessarily see a path forward that is enjoyable to the viewer to watch. We've seen this for so long, and I don't think I can stand one more minute of Teresa having some scene with Louis saying he doesn't want to invite Melissa and Joe to something, or Melissa saying she's done after 18 years. She says this all the time, like, I am so, so sick of it. What I did enjoy in this episode was meeting Lexi's mom. And I know a lot of people talk about her accent. We know she's from the UK. Her mom flew in from Manchester. Uh, But I believe that she has some sort of speech impediment. And please correct me if I'm wrong. That makes like her inflection a bit um, different. And so people are always like, where is that accent from? But I feel like it's kind of not nice to point out. Uh, Anyways, I find Lexi to be so sweet. I really enjoy seeing the softer side of Margaret. We've seen kind of a harsh side of her this whole season, which has not been particularly enjoyable to me to watch. So to see her be so motherly and caring to Lexi and Lexi's son is great. And to see the relationship that Margaret's mom and Lexi's mom and all of them have together is lovely. It was also interesting to watch the whole 
scene with Rachel and John Fuda and the attorney, it did feel a bit put on for cameras. Like, why are you doing this this now? But it, you know, I know it is a very real situation in their family. At the same time, she has been raising Jaden, John's son, um, for the last, I think, nine years. Um, since she became a part of of their lives. And so it's just a really tough situation, but it was also kind of tough seeing her cry and be like, I can't believe that we have to go to his birth mother. It's like, well, what did did you think? (laughs) She's like not allowed to say in this. I don't know. The whole, these custody things are so, so tough, but... You know, it is unusual, I think, you know, people who work in the family court system call me out if I am saying this incorrectly, but I think it is unusual for a father to be given sole physical custody of a child. I know what happens. I know many fathers that have sole physical custody of their kids, but it's usually um kind of an extenuating circumstance. I think family courts would rather have it that both parents have some sort of custody and they make decisions together for the child. But when someone has sole custody, they don't need to consult the other parent on issues of schooling or extracurricular activities or basically any major decision that you would make as a parent. And I believe that Jaden's birth mother um, has not had custody of her son since he was maybe three, two, three, and that she hasn't even seen him in the last, I believe, like five or six years at all. And she's currently serving time in prison for some robberies and some drug crimes. And, you know, it's hard to know what's in the best interest of him. Is he going to be able to want to have a relationship with his mom when she eventually gets out of prison and maybe she does get clean and maybe she does want to make amends and try and form a relationship with him? You know, that's kind of up to him, right? And whether or not he wants to be adopted, it sounds like like he does uh, by Rachel Fuda, um, who I guess he thought that once Rachel and his dad got married, that he was automatically adopted by her. And clearly that's not the case. I hope that they made that that clear to him. I also um, got a kick out of the dinner between Dolores and Frank, especially when he showed up looking like a member of the village people. When she started doing the YMCA, I just, that was the best part of the whole episode for me. <laughs> I I stand by the fact that I feel like Frank, despite having been divorced from Dolores for like 23 years or something crazy, has not actually felt the impacts of a divorce. And now he's feeling the impact. You know, he chose not to be faithful to Dolores. He chose to kind of end that marriage. And now he wants them to be a unit of four, him, Dolores, and the two children. But you kind of relinquish being a unit of four when you when you file for when you decide to get divorced. So, um, you know, Dolores is like, I want to bring Polly around to family events. He's my partner. I want him there. And I think Frank just kind of sees his girlfriend as like, oh, she'll come or not come. But I want to do some things just us as a family. And I'm glad that Dolores is having some firm boundaries. I feel like Frank is just being a man child and trying to kick and scream and cry and, 
you know, albeit very in a very charming way, but he's trying to push at those boundaries that she's never really had. So props to Dolores. Um, in terms of the whole Melissa and Joe not getting invited to this whole thing, like I can't follow it. I I don't know why Louis called Teresa and was like, let's invite everyone but them. And then she's like, well, we're on camera. Clearly, he shouldn't have said that. But it's clear that they all very much dislike each other. I'm sure we're going to find out on the reunion just how much they dislike each other and just how many terrible things they have done. Um, I don't blame anyone in particular. I think they're all to blame, especially Joe Gorga, because I feel like he never tries to solve the problem. He always sends Melissa in to do his work, but this is a relationship that he has had since he was born with his sister, and I think it's up to him to fix it, to also stand up for his wife when his sister is disrespecting his wife, um, but, you know, he would rather have have them argue it out. Um, also, like, if Melissa and Joe, this is this is my kind of thought on it all, if they really cared about having a relationship with Teresa... They when they knew how upset she was by them going on the show, they they wouldn't have gone on the show. They would have prioritized the relationship with Teresa, but they've never prioritized it. They've always been like, we're going to kind of come into your space in this show that you started from the beginning, and we're going to come in a couple seasons in, and we're going to create a whole bunch of chaos, and then we're going to kind of ride your coattails of fame. And then we're going to become famous in our own right. And people won't be able to just get rid of us. And I don't know. I feel like they're really thirsty. And I feel like all of them, including Teresa, have always chosen being on TV over family. And so I'm tired of this whole narrative that they care about family. They clearly don't. They've never prioritized fixing this. They've from my understanding, never gone to see a family therapist and sit down and try and deal with this as adults, either on camera or off camera. And I'm done. I'm tired of watching it. (laughs) I don't know about you guys. I am so done. Another thing I'm really tired of is all of the body shaming that Bravo fans are doing with any women that they see looking a little bit different than maybe they had previously. So one example is Kristen Doty was on Watch What Happens Live this this past week. She looked absolutely incredible. I thought I loved the suit jacket and the the pantsuit, the color, all of it. And I guess she was receiving tons of comments about how it looked like she had filler and she gained all this weight. And, you know, I mean, she's like, listen, I'm 40. I gained weight (laughs) you know it's like yeah that's kind of how it goes you know people don't stay stick thin forever also when she was on the show she was smoking cigarettes very heavily we don't know what else she was doing but a lot of things keep someone that keep someone thin are not healthy behaviors and I think that she has taken a lot of time to try and change her behaviors both you know, health-wise and, like, how she treats other people. And I think it came across on Wednesday. I thought she came across great, and I thought she looked beautiful. But I'm so tired of people commenting and feeling the need to point out, like, when someone looks a little bit different. Um, And that includes everyone going after Kyle Richards for being thin. 
you know, people forget that Kyle has been open about a struggle that she had with an eating disorder. I don't believe that ever fully goes away. And, you know, now people are kind of accusing her of promoting sort of eating disorder culture. But she is someone who I believe is also a victim of it. And, you know, saying that she's on Ozempic and whatever. And like, who cares what someone is on? My God. (laughs) Also, we've seen people get thin before, especially celebrities, our entire lives without before this drug. So we know what can happen without the help of a drug. And, um, you know, it's clear that she's going through something. She's like, I'm not drinking. I'm eating really clean. I'm exercising all the time. Okay. I, I hope she's happy. <laughs> I hope she's healthy. Um, I think we're going to see some of it play out probably on this next season of The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, but it's just not everyone has to comment all the time. And I, I know it just feels really mean and um, kind of anti-feminist. And as your residence, multi-feline feminist communist, I feel like I should say something. All right. I am so excited for this week because the Real Housewives of Atlanta are back and we've got a new summer house in Martha's Vineyard to watch, which... I cannot wait for. So we'll definitely be covering that next week. I've got a couple really good guests coming up. As always, if you enjoy the podcast, give it a five-star rating and leave a kind review. If you do not enjoy the podcast, just turn it off. Do yourself a favor. (laughs) And again, my DMs are always open at Mandy Slutsker. Thanks, everyone. We'll take a quick break and then back with Zell Brooks. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hi, everyone. I'm here with Zell Brooks, host of the podcast, Who Asked Me, about pop culture, society, reality TV, real life, and everything in between. She's also a comedian, and I believe saw Anisha from Family Karma do stand-up this week. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm really good. Thursdays are my busy days, so we are go-go-going. But yeah, it was. I saw Anisha last night. I got to talk to her for a little bit. Um, yeah, it was, it was exciting, even though I, I'm upset about uh, what I heard about family karma. (laughs) Wait, what did you hear? Are you allowed to share? Um, no, it's nothing like she, I mean, she said it like out loud. I asked her why they don't get a proper reunion. And the answer is just like, from what I gathered, like fam, family karma is one big question mark. Like, even to the cast, it seems like. So she literally, she said, I don't know. She said, I do not know. We have all been, you know, said that we would do it. Um, we're available for it. Absolutely. But we we don't know. They don't give us any reasoning to why we don't get one. And they don't answer us when, you know, we're like, we'll do one. Um, and then I asked about, you know, next season and what was going on. And again, I she goes, I don't know. You know, they, they don't even know if they're they're having another season 
at, so right now. They do the same thing to the cast of Vanderpump Rules. Obviously, it's it's different, but mm-hmm. like they don't know if they're picked up. Like it goes mm. on for quite a long time before they actually find out whether or not it's even picked up for another season. Obviously, this season is different because the ratings are through the roof. But last right. season, it was a little bit of a question of, mm. are we going to get picked up? And I think that the <laughs> Kate and Schwartz divorce was like, a, oh, I guess we'll pick up filming sort of a thing is kind of my understanding of how it went down. Interesting. I mean, I, I heard Katie say something about like their pay. Um, And listen, I understand that's what made like Vanderpump rules so good to begin with is because it was so like kind of low stakes and these kids were hungry. Like they were willing to do a lot as we saw. And it was like, it, it made the show great. I just think with family karma, like it's such a, feel good show first of all to me um secondly it does show me you know another culture of that i'm i've never been surrounded by never had any like introduction to in general at all and i love it i i love that it and i love that it changes the way i personally talk about things because like especially reality tv because i'm like well even though the Shaw's mom pissed me off, I'm going to have respect because I'm talking about an auntie. Okay. Right. Like, I'm exactly. like, I don't want to, <laughs> I'm like, I don't want to like trash her. Okay. Because we need to be respectful here. I just, I love seeing them all on my screen and it, it pisses me off that I'm like, what, what is going on? We can't all just have this. And I, I miss the days of reality shows where I'm like not seeing what's happening on everything, there are no leaked text messages on Family Karma. There's no like hidden yeah. agendas. It's just we're what I feel like we're watching our friends. Okay. And at the end of the day, we're all like, guys, guys, we're all gonna love each other at the end. <laughs> I love it. Although I did feel like Anisha was pretty mean to a lot of people on the cast in what she was saying on her Watch What Happens Live appearance. Did she mention anything about that? She no, she didn't. She um, somebody asked her like, "Who are you cool with?" She just said, "I'm cool with everybody." Bali. That was in front of oh. everybody. That but that was in front of everybody. Um, I didn't ask her about other people. I don't have a problem with Anisha, like what she said on Watch What Happens Live or, or anything like that, because I really, when it comes to Anisha, like when I say that's my girly, like I just I have loved her ever since I started watching Family Karma because I really felt like when it comes to Vishal and Amrit in general, like they've been friends since they were kids. I felt like they were treating her the way they treat her. It bothers me. And not like in a way that like, I'm like want to yell and scream about it. But I think because it's so familiar of like your guy friends that kind of like always pick on you, obviously you're, you know, the girl that they hang out with. I always hated that. Oh, does Anisha have feelings for Vishal? Like, come on now. Uh, I felt like it was such a low blow. I I felt like it was such a low blow. And she did talk a lot in her um, stand up about like how she thought that she was already older, older, you know, air quotes there, people. um, Then you generally would be getting married and especially in their culture. Um, But then she's talked about like going on the T deciding to do the TV show 
And then she was like, I thought for a long time that nobody was ever going to marry me. And not because I have low self-esteem. She was like, I already wasn't married. And then I decided to go on this TV show. And not everybody wants, you know, to be with a person who is on TV, especially reality TV. And she was like, especially the type of person I was looking for. Because she talks about, she talks a, a good amount about her husband and how kind he is. And the ring is huge in real life. <laughs> like I was like, she was up there and I was like, a couple rows back and I was like, that thing is huge. Oh my gosh. But like, this week is her deadline, her Cinco de Mayo deadline, the anniversary. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. And so she she was talking about that. And it really like, I almost teared up because I was like, I, I get it. You know what I mean? I totally get it. And she, you know, she talks about like how she was like, I would have been fine if I didn't meet him. But like, I did and I got lucky and I want to hold on to that. And I... I don't, I don't blame her because people trying to drag her about like the people on the show um, about like, oh, why don't we see him? Why weren't we invited? She's very protective over it. Even in her standup, you can tell like she's very protective of him. Yeah, no, I just thought what she said about when she was asked which couple would like last longer. I just think it's a mean thing to say to people that have just gotten married. And it wasn't funny. Like there's a difference if you say something that mean that's also funny, Mm -hmm. which I'll get to when we talk about James Kennedy. (laughs) But like, (laughs) she just it wasn't funny. It was just mean. And I was like, ooh, like I would be hurt. She's sharp. She is. Yeah. When she says something, she's sharp. And I can see where it can sting. Again, I just it you I get it because I just got married in July. Um, if somebody said that to me, I'd be like, okay, whatever. But I just think that I think that there's I think Anisha protects those people a lot too. I, I think she so. doesn't I mean say- I hope they all protect each other. I feel like maybe one of the reasons that they don't get a reunion, well, in particular, Summer House didn't used to in the beginning. Yeah, or I remember. Was, and then it mm-hmm. was like a reunion on Watch What Happens Live. And mm-hmm. then, you know, that whole thing. But I feel like it's the largest cast. So you've got like, who's the true, like, is the cast really about the like, quote unquote, younger people? Or is it about the mm-hmm. aunties? And if it gets into the aunties and all their husbands, and it's like, Oh, You're talking you like 35 people. I mean, it's I, I can't imagine the set, right? Mm-hmm. And so when they do a whole thing for Housewives, it's like six people, you know? True. Um, mm-hmm. And so I think the only one that they've always done a reunion for that is a large cast is Vanderpump Rules. But they've started to cut down on who goes, you know? Charlie's That's not true. there this year. But then you flip to Summer House and they've got everyone on. Corey, he wasn't even on the show <laughs> when I saw him on the seating chart, I said, what's going on? I don't, I, tr- I tried. I don't care for, I never cared for him. Um, I don't. <laughs> I care for Sam and therefore I will care for him because she cares for him. But it's not that I like him on his own, if that makes yeah. sense. If they ever mm-hmm. break up, he's off the show. Like, I feel like he needs right. to know that his ticket to the show and being on TV is that he's much likable with Sam I just get and that's an issue for me in the wake of like Tom and Ariana and things like that because like especially these episodes that we've been seeing um of Vanderpump Rules leading up to the scandal of all of it all mm-hmm. it's like Tom has rode everybody's coattails specifically Ariana's because I had to like explain this to somebody. I go, well, I never liked Sandoval. Please be very clear about that. I said, I never liked him. I tolerated him because 
Ariana was always my number one girl in the group. I have always, always been an Ariana fan. Like I found myself commenting because somebody, one of the newer watchers um, who started watching after Scandaval broke was like, was she always like this cool? I said, first of all, she was born born fucking cool. (laughs) She was born cool. And I, I remember like one of my best friends, she used to not like her. And she was like, she's just so negative. I was like, she's not negative. Somebody needs to have sense here. Okay, right. when her and Kristen, like I, my husband wanted to start watching. So I've been rewatching with him. I think it was like season four when Kristen was going on her apology tour. And Ariana was like, no, I don't care what you do, who you do, but you need to do it away from me because I don't I just love I love a boundary. I love somebody who doesn't let others bully them. It's like, OK, well, I said sorry to you. So like you have to forgive me. We have to be. No, if you apologize with the like with the idea that people are going to accept it, then you're not apologizing for the right reasons. Correct. Now, I've got a question for you. Do you think over the years, Ariana has let boundaries slip and get muddled? Because I feel like she came in as someone with quite clear boundaries. Mm -hmm. And then watching this season, it, I don't know, it doesn't seem as if they're, she's maybe she's not strong enough to uphold them because she's in such a Mm -hmm. vulnerable position. Yeah. She, one thing about Ariana is that I realized, especially the, this last episode. And then um, what she said in her confessional is that she is somebody who values partnership Mm -hmm. and it doesn't have to be romantic partnership. And I, my mom is the same way. My mom loves being a part of the, of a team. Like she, if you're her partner, you are on her team and that's more than just a romantic way. Like the romantic is, is an aspect. The romance is an aspect of it. So I think when Ariana said, this is really when my heart broke, when she said, I ride for Tom, I ride for Tom over everybody. That, that was her partner. So no, it might not have always been hot and heavy. It might not have always been like ideal, but that was her partner. She entered business with him, you know, with the book and with several sponsorships, with the house, things like that. And, and I think that's what I always admired how she handled their relationship because it was more so honest. Yes. I think there's a, I hate when people are like, oh, you're not having sex. You're not doing this. You're not doing that. It is work. Relationships are work, especially romantic relationships. And sometimes they're just not always romantic. Right. So I think that when she pulled, when she said earlier in the season, I'm not doing Tom versus the girls. Yeah. And then she said again to Lala, I'm not doing this. I can't do this. I felt like what she was trying to convey to Tom was that I need you to, st- I stand up for you and I ride for you. And so I need you to stop making me ride for you so hard. Please stop doing stupid shit. Yep. You can still be Tom Sandoval the character of yourself that you've created without making me answer for all of these things that you do that are ridiculous and that I actually don't stand by. Well, maybe we should just dump into Vanderpump Rules because I have a whole (laughs) slate of questions for you. Um, Okay, so speaking of Ariana and Tom's relationship, one thing that she talked about that I remember distinctly as someone who has lost a parent was how he was there for her when she lost her dad. And she was Mm -hmm. barely on the show, right? Mm -hmm. Like he, there was a fight that him and Kristen had where he went immediately 
to Ariana because her dad had just died. And Mm -hmm. I thought, wow, that's a foundation of a relationship. If you're with someone and you're friends with them and you're there for them in that kind of a moment, like that bodes well for the future. Now, I I noticed like he seems so absent with like the death of her dog, which by the way, she had for 18 years. That's unheard of for a dog to live that long. And that's like a family member. That's a that's a living thing who helped get her through the death of her father, right? Yeah. Been through everything. And yeah, my, yeah, sorry to interject because that's like, I, people have been like making jokes about that. I'm like, no, my family dog was, um, died at 18. So that we got that dog when I was 12 and she died a few years ago, like 11, 11. Yeah. She was a Bichon. Like she was in like my mom. So I got her for my birthday and we had the same birthday my mom like is not a dog person, but my mom's been divorced. My mom's like, I raised kids with that dog. I yes, she goes. I went through two marriages with that dog. My I've seen my mom divorce my dad, go through a lot of things. I don't think I've ever seen her so hurt as like it was a different kind of hurt. She would not, and the dog was really sick, like really, really sick. And I mean, we all were like mourned the loss of that dog. So like when Charlotte died, I was in. T- I was crumbling, crumbling. I my dog's only five, and so like the, I can't even like let it enter my mind. Mm-hmm. But it, yeah, that's you know. And then the the death of the grandma, and how we see Tom behaving so differently, like the death of Charlotte and the death of the grandma, versus when her dad died ten years ago, before they even were together. And mm-hmm. it's just such a marked difference. And then when he was caught in that lie about why did you stay at this party and he, and then, you know, could you not get a ride or and then it comes out, oh, I thought you wanted to be alone. Why? I mean, do you think he clearly like already had a foot out the door and this is him not able to show support for her anymore? Yeah, I think I said and I said this on a TikTok, like I think that Tom, I do think that Tom was setting the foundation to leave our, like break up with Ariana um, and move it, like move into Raquel. I think that he's not a smart person at all. And I think that's what irritates me the most about him. He wanted to do the exact same thing that he's done before and gotten away with. First of all, time is not on your side. Okay. In any way, shape or form, it's not on your side, but also like, he showed it was so obvious because how you started off, which was being there for her in one of the most traumatic times of her life, greatest losses of her life. And from what I understand, that was pretty sudden too, when her dad passed away, wasn't it? I don't know the circumstances. I don't either. She's kept it pretty hush hush, which I respect. Um, But yeah, like, of course I think you're going to be there for me through everything. Of course I do. But that breaks my heart for her as well, because that's probably why she couldn't see like, you know, oh, he's not really like he showed up for me in this way. He's going to keep showing up for me. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's just it, it really is sad. The more I see it play out on screen and I'm not shocked that she because everyone's like, oh, she's going to go on this. She's going to go on that. I'm not shocked she hasn't sat down and done an interview yet. And I applaud her for that. Because she's probably, while it's like she's living her best life, she's got all these um, opportunities. 
we have to understand that when it's time to go home, first of all, she still does live with him. And like, we know going through things when breakups, you know, deaths, things like that, the moments that hurt the most are when you lay down. Always. For the, for the, Always. Like, when, when you're you finally lay, the, alone and all the noise goes away. Yeah. Those are the worst times. So I don't blame her um, for, you know, staying kind of silent when it comes to like interviews and things like that. But it's just, it's so icky for a, for anybody really, but Tom especially to be doing this and making her stand up for him when all he had to do was be there. Yeah, it's, it's really tough watching and He's just, I mean, I'm assuming his whole reason for not going to Florida with her was I'm working to open Schwartz and Sandy's, we're Mm -hmm. filming, all this stuff. But like at the end of the day, if you have time to go to band practice, if you have time to get your nails done, you have time to fly for 24 hours for a funeral. You don't have to be there for the before, for the after, but to be there during the actual moment, Mm -hmm. that is shocking to me that he didn't do that. And that tells me everything I need to know about him and his priorities, right? He it's, couldn't even get first. up. He couldn't even get up at the picnic table when at the at Raquel's little glamping thing to hug her when she started crying in in front of everybody. He stayed seated across the table. That's that like that's what was telling to me. Okay, I don't need yeah. to. T- I don't. I shouldn't have to tell you to come see about me. You know, I know what I mean? It's just, it's, it's gross. And it, I just, uh, so something I caught kind of off guard by was Raquel crying in not just in the show, but also in her confessionals when she's talking about aging out of pageants and the stuff that she had said about like, oh, I always told everyone I wanted to be an occupational therapist and it was all sort of set up for me. I'm like, are you telling me that you don't actually want to be an occupational therapist and you just kept saying this because it was a rehearsed line from your pageant life that has now come to an abrupt end because Donald Trump decided that once women are over 27, they can no longer compete? Like, this is shocking. And then to see the tears... Because people are saying that she didn't cry at the reunion, that she didn't cry in any sort of conversation with Ariana. So she's not able to muster emotion over the friendship that ended over her actions with Sandoval. But yet she has all these tears around the pageants. And it's very confusing for me. What I will say is I personally did not see a tear when she was crying in the confessional I because I, I was looking for it. I did not see an actual tear. I find Raquel very dark. I really do find her to be a very dark person because I don't like to give Kristen Doty too much credit. But what I will say is Kristen said on Watch What Happens Live, she goes, the difference between me and her is I sat there in my shame. I followed these people around and begged for forgiveness and I waited until they came around. And I said, that is true because those were some hard seasons to watch. (laughs) At times I was like, Kristen, please go away. But uh, something else I find a bit disturbing about Raquel is like when Sheena said in that um, trailer, you didn't, you fucked her best friend and said, and I said, see, here's the thing. Raquel's not her best friend. Right. And what makes it worse 
the, what makes it worse is Raquel is not her best friend, but Ariana extended kindness to her. Ariana extended treatment to her that you would extend to a best friend, but she didn't want her to be treated and drugged through the mud and um, kind of, you know, the Vanderpump hazing, like every other woman got who's come on the show. She didn't want her to feel alone during that. One thing that's always stuck with me, what Ariana said, is when Lala and Jax were kind of having the battle of like, they were talking, they had to talk about their behavior and what they did. And then they kept saying like, my dad died, my dad died, my dad died. Ariana stopped everybody. She said, I want to remind you guys that my dad died too. And while I was actively being bullied by all of you. And I never came to a reunion and used it as an excuse for my terrible behavior. Mm-hmm. And I said that that is true. That is true. And I just, <laughs> I think she didn't want her to feel a certain, t- like how everybody else has felt. And so she did extend that graciousness to her. And this is what Raquel did. Right. It's, it's just, do you think she has any real emotions or is she sort of robot-like? Because I... I viewed it as her being a little more robot-like. And then when I saw what I thought was emotion about her talking about the pageants coming to an end and this like being a, not orthopedic, occupational therapist, I I was like, what? You have emotion about this? Like, where is this coming from? I don't know Raquel's pageant background. I don't know if she's been doing them since she was a child or like really, really young or Raquel almost seems like like trained to me. Like she, if she would say like, "Oh, I've been doing pageants since I could walk," then I probably would be like, "Oh, there you go. That's what it is." She's only known to put on a show, put on a show. I still doesn't excuse her sleeping with Sandoval, but it would excuse like her behavior in front of the camera. Not excuse, but explain her behavior in front of the camera to me a little bit. I don't know what it is, but I've always felt, even when she was with James. I've always felt like Raquel was acting and not acting well. Like you're not a good actress. Like it's not when she, when her and James broke up at the reunion last year, I said, what am I watching? I was was like, what what is this? Because they broke up and then she wore the ring to the reunion. And then it was like, oh yeah, I guess I'll give it back to you now. I was like, what? I'm so confused. Yeah, she's a very confusing one. Um, (laughs) uh, The whole open relationship rumor. I felt like Mm. that was just like an actual misunderstanding where Allie, right, said it. And then James is the one that actually made the link like, oh, maybe she means open relationship. And then Sheena took that to me. And that's exactly what Katie said. I'm hoping them, you know, watching it back, get that what she said was like, you know, they don't have the same rules for each other because Mm -hmm. Katie had rules with Schwartz that he would break. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. he would go out, not come home, not Mm -hmm. tell her where he was. Mm -hmm. And if Sandoval does that, I don't think Ariana was as bothered, right? Like if he's out and he's at a party and he sleeps overnight because he's been using drugs or he's been drinking, whatever, I'll see him when he comes back in the morning. I trust him implicitly. I don't worry about it. But mm-hmm. Katie had, you know, like, hey, you didn't call me. You didn't tell me wh- where you were, what you were doing. So mm-hmm. I think that's what she was trying to say. But what did you make of Ariana's conversation with Katie? Um, I made that it was Sheena's fault. Like, to put it in the Sheena's? simplest of terms. Okay. Yeah, I yeah, made, yeah. I, because she, my goodness, I have rode for Sheena Shea 
multiple times. Like, come on, guys, she's not that bad. Like, I really have. But I hit a wall this season because Sheena really, I really felt like at the core of it, that was more so Sheena trying to get people to be mad at Katie than it was like using, let me use my brain and maybe like assess a situation a little bit more because Katie didn't, as far as, this is how I know Katie say open relationship because Katie Maloney is not known for being super calm, right? In situations. She said, Allie, when did I say that? She said it so calm. She goes, when did I say open relationship? And Allie was like, no, like, you know, blah, blah. And they had a very calm conversation. In the past, Katie Maloney would have called Allie stupid, like a dumbass and all sorts of different names. Right. I am seeing growth there. But I think that it was... I think that this cast really was grasping for straws. I think they were really shook up in general that they were done. It's after Stassi and Kristen got fired and Jax and um, Brittany were gone. I really, really think that they were scared they were done. After they got um, that last season, which was very boring, I think that they were like, oh, shit, oh, shit. Then Schwartz and Katie broke up. Allie, or not Allie and James, Raquel and James. And they're like, okay. So I do think that what we're seeing is them working extra hard to like bring us a a season that is good, but they just didn't really realize that what they were picking at, which what, what they thought was like BS and just a fluff, like to add some more story to the um, season, there was actually something there. Except for Lala, I really feel like Lala was putting it together and was like, something don't smell right. I don't know what this is, but I don't trust it at all. Yeah, I and I have to say I'm I'm with her. Yeah. I'm I'm with her there. I've Lauren from Utah is not my favorite person. Um, but she when I'm with her when she's right. <laughs> right? It's well, it's easy to be with all <laughs> when they're yeah. right. Most of them aren't right. Um uh, I guess I don't know if I have any other questions about Vanderpump Rules other than like where do you think we go from here? Because we all know that the reunion is going to be wild, and mm-hmm. everyone is pretty much it, where you know as we're watching it currently, the cast is kind of in two factions. It's sort of the um, Sheena and Raquel and they're in Schwartz are on one side and you've got Katie and Christina Kelly and James and Allie kind of on the other side. And now it's like everyone's on the same side except for Raquel and the Toms, right? Like, so how do we, like, can the show go on? I want to say one thing. James Kennedy being on the side with the girls the girls being Katie and Lala and <laughs> Allie and Ariana. James being the guy to withstand all of that, all of the bullshit from that group and be on the side with the girls was never on my bingo card. Never. It never was. Never. Well, <laughs> like I truly, truly am. The friendship, and I don't want to say, say friendship, but like kind of the friendship that is there between James and Katie, I'm very intrigued by. Me too. I'm very entertained by, to be honest, because I always thought back when they used to beef and he used to, you know, body shame and everything. I don't think that he should have said any of that shit. However, there were two sides because, and I used to try and explain this to people. I said, Katie is not off the hook there because she is talking about his mother. 
She would talk about his mom being an alcoholic and how he was raised in X, Y, Z, and which in turn is why he ended up talking about her weight is because you're hitting me where I hurt, like where I hurt the most. You're talking about my family. You're talking about my mom. So yeah, he's going to throw that back at her. But I always said, I said, I think they have more in common than they think. And they've been really getting along for a couple of years. Mm -hmm. Like once he did, once he actually really apologized to her and Mm -hmm. she really took it, I feel like, yeah. And then when Raquel and him broke up, like, Mm -hmm. you know, I I think she expected to be friendly with Raquel. Like we're both the ones going through this breakup. She had her on her podcast. And yeah, I think she was shocked as everyone else that Raquel just decided to go kind of nuts. That's my other thing. Like Raquel, Raquel's saying all of this stuff. Like I'm more interested in a friendship with Tom than Katie, and da da da. I literally, I know Katie doesn't do that podcast anymore. I don't think, but I was like, where I was, I literally said to myself, I said, wasn't she on her podcast? I'm like I, I understand. I've watched this show since day one. I understand that Katie Maloney has not always been the nicest. What I feel kind of like about Katie Maloney, Maloney, as I do about Lindsay Hubbard. Is she always been the best person on the show? Absolutely not. What I respect about her is that she comes, she she shows her, it seems like she shows her authentic self, mistakes, flaws and all. And she comes back next season and she does it all over again. And she doesn't try and win over the audience. She doesn't try and, you know, be like, see, like, oh, how funny I can be that we get with like a lot of people, mainly on the Summer House cast that are like, I can see trying. They can't sit with being in the wrong. I say this all the time with the Housewives and all of these reality TV stars. You do, if you want to be great, you have to be able to not be the favorite all the time. You have to be able to not be the favorite all the time, but then not make people hate you so much, Lisa Rinna, that they don't want to film with you. And that we're kind of sitting here like, where do we go back from here that's such like, a good we point can't, we such can't a good point. back around you have to be able to be in your quote-unquote villain era enough but still make people want to come around back to you nini perfect example every single person on that cast fought with nini still when it came time to like being like having fun and saying like okay we can sit down and have a talk and get over this they were willing to do it yeah, I mean Lindsay Hubbard. Let let's let's transition to Summer House because Lindsay Hubbard is a absolute star for the reality TV her. arts and sciences. She lives so out loud, and I've been trying to figure out exactly what it is that she does that irks the Pages and the Amanda so much. And I think it is that sometimes she knows how to turn it on for the camera and can be a jerk when the cameras mm-hmm. aren't on and. I mean, a lot of people are like that, right? So they are like, Mm -hmm. oh, she's fake, she's fake. And also, she's got this PR background. So if she really wants to spin things, she knows kind of how to to come across better. However, Mm -hmm. when we're watching her and she's talking and she's living her life, I don't think it's constantly going through her head, I wonder how I'm going to come across. Everyone else on this show, I feel like has that going through their head, particularly the women. And mm-hmm. with her, she just lives. And I think the the thing that they are so annoyed by is how the audience over time has mm-hmm. learned to like her. Um, yeah. Right? Like she's won us over by just being herself 
over and over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. Well, th- I want to, you know, the thing about Lindsay Hubbard is I think it's the funniest is because people always, almost always contradict themselves when it comes to Lindsay. Because Kyle's like, you go into summer with a plan. Hey, buddy, everybody on reality TV does this now. Like everybody goes into it with a plan. You have how you'd like to be perceived. You have that in your mind. The producers have something else. Okay. And then your actions do something else as well. You cannot guarantee. Lindsay does have the background. And where people see Lindsay as selfish, like especially with the whole Danielle thing, like does she ever ask her about her? I I relate to, and it's not from a place of selfishness. It's a place of like understanding that not everybody wants me in their business, not even my best friends. And it's something that I've had to like explain to people in my life before. Like, they're like, you didn't ask me about such and such. I'm like, because that's a sensitive topic. And if you are not ready to talk about it, then I don't want to make you. But you know, whenever you're ready, you can come to me, but I'm not going to force and I'm not going to pry. I see. Oh, this is such an interesting perspective because I haven't heard this yet. I I don't see her as a selfish person. I don't see her as like, I just, and when it comes to like, you know, like the pages and the Amandas and things like that, she's just not going. I don't think she thinks about them as much as they think about her. Exactly. That's and I think that's what obvious. bothers them because me and like Stephanie of Mocha Minutes, we have dissected this so much of like, what is Paige's issue with Lindsay? And I've been saying it for a while now, there is no issue. And I think Paige understands that there no, there's no issue. And then I feel like the... The Amanda's, the pages, they kind of dog whistle the audience a little bit when it comes to Lindsay, because every time Amanda is on um, Watch What Happens Live, there's little digs at Lindsay in some way, shape or form. And then the lover boy fans, the audience, things like that. They say these things about her that are awful, awful. Like it really baffles me and I really hit a wall with it. When it came to the miscarriage of it all and the fan, how the fans took it, because I really, really, really believe that any other woman on that show would have had a miscarriage and what happened happened and the, the idea would be totally different. There are still people calling Lindsay selfish and calling her names and calling her, you know, narcissistic because she had a miscarriage. Jason. No, because the whole Jason of it all. Oh, which is, I said, you guys aren't listening to what's being said and you're not listening because you dislike Lindsay so much. Right. Lindsay and Jason filmed. Yeah. And it just didn't. Or it, Summer House. And it didn't it make didn't it. didn't air. That's not Lindsay's so, fault. That's not J- Jason's right. fault. Right. It but just never aired. So he exactly. decided to like hold on to that and use that at his storyline during Winter House. Winter House. And I, and you, like, people call it the crazy Lindsay look, like, oh, she's getting activated. I said, no, she's lost because I would be too. If we filmed a scene, you signed a release, you put on a microphone, and there was a camera in front of our face, and we talked about this. And then you're coming to me all these months later and telling me I didn't know that you were going to talk about this. I would have, I would have liked a heads up. You did know because I asked you, we filmed a scene, and she's not breaking the fourth wall. She's being a professional, but I, that is where I would have absolutely lost my shit. Like it's, it's disgusting in a different way. And that's why when people are like, she's a mean girl, she's not a girl's girl. She's vile. She's this. 
you guys aren't girls, girls either, because you, you make these comments about this woman online, not being for women and not being a girl's girl, but look at how you're talking about her. If you were really for women and that was at the forefront of mind, you wouldn't talk about her online like this. Right. And you would be there for her after a miscarriage, regardless of what her behavior was, right? Like, it's a traumatic situation. And the fact mm -hmm. that, yeah, I think Amanda actually was concerned about Lindsay's behavior last summer, just because it's like this horrible traumatic thing happened. And now you're just trying to like party harder, you know, and, and are you but like, that's something that you if you have a real friendship, you don't mm -hmm. have to wait for the cameras to talk about you can talk mm -hmm. about that. Else, like, I mean, I know that they want to film all of it, but there's a way to have that conversation. It's like, I just want to make sure that you're okay. And I know maybe you may start processing this later on. And right now, mm -hmm. you're just doing you, you're having a great summer, you're feeling really good. In case it catches up with you later and you feel a certain way, like, I'm here for you to listen, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, that's what I would have done if I had a friend that experienced something and was kind of like partying a lot and going with different guys. Like, it's such a traumatic thing to happen and to happen to your body and, and the hormones and everything of it all. Just say, like, listen, like, this may hit you at another time, you know, when yeah, you least it, expect it. And, and I'm here, right? Even if you're not yeah. feeling bad right now. Yeah. And I think another thing that is like missing is that Lindsay has always wanted children. She's mm -hmm. always wanted to be a mom. This is a woman whose mom abandoned her. Mm -hmm. That's what I find so interesting about Lindsay as well. People, her story, like her story within itself, very sad. Very, very sad. She is what I see an overachiever and great at many things because of her abandonment and abandonment issues as a child. She's always wanted to get married, have a kid. And not be, I think she's a lover. You know, I think she loves, not to sound like Teresa, but loves, loves, love. But I think that she just wanted to do that. And part of it is because she yearned for it. And the other part is to prove that she can do it. I have abandonment issues as well from a parent, not my mom. But it is almost sometimes, I love my husband, everything. But sometimes I'm like, I want to prove that I can do this. Like, I can do this. And look, I did it without you too. And she's right. done the success part of it. And, you know, she she wants to do the other part to say, like, look, I but through everything and through all of this shit that I could have fucked up, I did it. And here I am. So in the fact that she wasn't planning on that with Jason, like planning on having a baby with him, totally. it was all. And she was in the hospital. That wasn't like she was admitted into the hospital. That was. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, very. And she didn't know. She said she found out she was pregnant one day and she and was the in the ER having a miscarriage the next. Yeah. Like that in itself, that is so much to I could not imagine it's a, it's I so much imagine. and I I my heart is with her I'm just so happy that she's happy I'm just I am too so happy I, like I feel like this is the right thing for her and and I I hope she feels the love I'm happy for her but I'm sad for her too because this Danielle situation is hard for me to watch because when I got married, I had my best friend. I had to ask her not to be a part of my wedding anymore. Things were so oh. bad. I heard the things she was saying and like it, it hurt my heart in a different way. Like I was like grieving the loss of that friendship. And we had been friends since we were kids, but there had been other things, of course, that had transpired before. Yeah. But like, I really, I was like, no, she's happy for me. Like da da da. the things that went down that like, I was just like, 
it's not people already weddings make people crazy nuts. it brings out it like really the is. most emotion in absolutely everyone but it, i just don't i mean i heard i heard about my friend how my friend acted surrounding me getting engaged after the fact obviously i didn't know i was getting engaged i i really did it and i was like my other friends told me they're like no she was mad that she was not included okay this in- is a I don't understand this. The engagement is between two people only. It's only two people. I think, mm-hmm. and maybe it's an age thing, like I'm older than you. So by the time you get to a certain age, everyone understands that this is how it goes, that it's the mm-hmm. two people that decide that they want to be together and a proposal happens. And family sometimes is notified in advance, but usually not anyone else. Mm-hmm. And the idea that a best friend has to be a part of mm-hmm. her friend's engagement is a very, like, I'm going to sound really obnoxious, but, like, I feel like it's, like, a mid-20s sort of it is. mentality. That's not how marriages work. They don't have mm-hmm. your friend Thank involved you. in the marriage. And it's not up to your your friend. Like, unless, unless the person doing the proposing wants a little bit of help. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, yeah. can you help me in this part of the surprise? Can you help mm-hmm. me in this part of the decoration? This is, you know, that kind of a thing. But they're not obligated to include you because you no. know what? It's not about you. Mm-mm. It's not about her. It, and nothing is about Danielle. And I think the people, the the discourse online about it is really, really baffling to me because like you said, it's a maturity thing. I'm 31. I got married. We got engaged when I was 28. Yeah, I was engaged for a moment because we got married and or we got engaged in the middle of COVID. I think the only reason my one friend was involved is because my at that time we didn't live near my family. Mm-hmm. I had no family around for my my. We lived in St. Louis. My mom lives in Virginia. So I know, like my, my husband didn't have a choice, but exactly what you said, it's not about anything. And one thing I had to learn, one thing I said to my friend, when I, you know, told her, I said, you tried to make a moment that was about me, about you. Mm -hmm. And that's not what's going to, and usually I am not the person that really cares to have like, it's, and I don't mean this in an arrogant way, but like, What's about me is about me. And what's about you is what about you? Like if I'm not craving for that attention to where I'm like, it's my turn. It's my birthday. It's my this. It's not. It's just I love having people together. I love celebrating Danielle's reaction to all of their relationships. I hear what she's saying. She's almost like a kid throwing a tantrum. I'm allowed to have an opinion. I'm allowed to have an opinion. Yes, you are. And you you voiced it. So now we're done. We're done. No one says you can't feel how you're feeling or express yourself how you're expressing yourself. But there Mm -hmm. are consequences to how you express yourself. If you keep saying the most negative things over and over and over again, this Danielle, it's a maturity issue. She is behaving. It's almost as if like all those years of partying and not having like, I don't know, like like work hard, party hard, and Mm -hmm. she didn't have a relationship and even her current relationship isn't the most stable. It's almost Mm -hmm. like she like was stuck in being 25. And somebody feel like mentally, and again, nothing against being 25. I would throw fits when I was 25 Mm -hmm. if my like best friend got engaged and I didn't know. But you get older and you learn that it's just not about you. It's a it's 100% a maturity thing. And you also learn that you can have an opinion about your friend's partners, mm-hmm. but you don't need to say it unless 
unless you think there's a safety or abuse thing going on. I will never comment Mm -hmm. if I don't like a friend's partner. That's their choice to be with that person. It's not my choice. I'm not getting married to them. And so if they're not my favorite person, like whatever. Most of the time, I really like my friend's partners, right? Mm -hmm. You know, but it's and, and people grow on you right? That maybe initially kind of rubs you the wrong way. But it's just not worth voicing your opinion on every single one of your friend's decisions about if they buy a house that is probably a little bit too expensive and their mortgage might be kind of difficult Mm -hmm. to uphold if one of them loses the job. Or if they decide to, uh, like, I don't know, it's just it's not your business. Yeah, this idea that like, because I've, again, the discourse online is crazy crazy to me because I I want people to really take it and apply it to them. Listen, I like, again, to reference my friendship breakup, she was like, I've known you for this long and did I? Yes, you have, but we're not romantically involved. You're oh, you, you would have always been my friend if you would have known to fall back a little bit. Okay. Because it's, again, I can't stress that it's not about you. I think one thing about being a true friend and having true relationships in your life is growing with each other and shifting, knowing the dynamics are going to change and withstanding that. And most of my friends, besides that friendship, they're fine with it. They understand that. I don't say I had to learn the hard way not to say a a lot about friends relationships. Um, And it was like kind of a slow burn throughout the years because I was the friend that was like very opinionated and voiced that shit until I had a friend that was in an abusive relationship and I had no clue. And I didn't realize that my actions were making it worse for her. You know what I mean? And I didn't know. She didn't feel comfortable opening up. Yeah. I didn't know that, but like I'm bitching about him. She's trying to make it better. And then in turn, like she's standing up for me to him and I don't even know. You know what I mean? When I'm running off at my mouth saying stupid shit, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I had to learn the hard way. And Unless and with that, that was a serious situation. Right. It made everything else seem so small. So if he annoys me or whatever, he's just like a little weird. I had a girlfriend that was dating this guy who's just odd. Like he was very odd. And like when they dated, he was fine. Everything was fine around. And then when they broke up, she was like, oh, like Becca said he was really weird. I was like, well, he was. And she was like, why did you say anything? I was like, he wasn't hurting anybody. You were fine. Like, you know what I mean? It's right. your it's, relationship. It's just, well, like, why didn't you say anything? This is up to you. You learn your life lessons. That's the, what you learn as you get older is everyone learns things in their own way. And you don't know what's best for other people. You may think you like, do. Yes. And my thing about Danielle is I'm like, you're dying on this hill. If I'm such a good friend, I'm making this known, blah, blah, blah. Let's say Lindsay and Carl do break up. Let's say that they do. What are you going to do, Danielle? Say, ha ha, I told, I told you, told you so. so. Yep. That's exactly. not, that's, it's, it's maddening not to me. It's mean. You're not, a, if that's your, if that is your instant reaction to your friend being hurt over a breakup, you're not a good friend. I, I agree. And I think. Somebody somebody commented on like a TikTok of mine and said, I really think that Danielle and Lindsay never had to be friends without toxic relationships, early 20s, play hard, work hard. And I said, that is a great point. And to take it even further, I think that Danielle really does like kind of did kind of start to realize that her and Robert maybe weren't working out or maybe she wasn't as happy. And she didn't want to voice that to him. So maybe she didn't have anybody to voice it to yet. And that whole, like, I'm so insulted you won't go to Montauk and da-da-da-da. 
I think Danielle wanted to talk to Lindsay about how she was feeling, but instead of a phone call, a text, hey girl, you free? Can I call you really quick? It was, I want to go out. I want to get drunk. I want to go to Montauk. And then I want to come home, lay in the bed together, laugh and giggle and drunkenly be like, I'm upset. Like, I think me and Robert aren't working and da, da, da. That's, I think that's how she wanted to do it. Yes, exactly. I, I said this. I said, unless Danielle comes to the reunion with a call log full of Lindsay Hubbard with text full of, can I talk to you? Can I talk to you? Can I talk to you? I'm not going to change my opinion because that to me is like, okay, yeah, what Lindsay, why the fuck aren't you answering the phone? But I think Lindsay like hits the head on the nail too for on her side. She goes, Danielle, I don't know, ever know where you are. She's like, you're, you're not in the city. You're either in the Hamptons or you're in, what she's not saying is you're in Aspen because I remember I was thinking about yeah. it that winter before the summer Danielle was in Aspen. She went to, and she said, I make a home wherever Robert is. I still think Lindsay could call her more if that's what she wants, but you have to voice that, right? You have to voice what you want in a friendship if you're not getting it. If you've been friends with this person for all these years, right, Mm -hmm. and Lindsay's never been one to ask you about yourself, but now you really need more, you have Mm -hmm. to to say what you need, just like in a romantic relationship. You can't Mm -hmm. assume that the other person automatically knows. And people don't friend like is that is that an adjective like yeah. they they are is that a verb like people don't express friendship the same way so just because mm-hmm. danielle expresses it this way she assumes others will express it the same way but people express love in many many different ways now before we move on i really have some hard-hitting questions for you about um sorry about gabby and mm-hmm. her relationship slash non-relationship with Sierra and Maya. Because mm-hmm. I've been waiting to ask someone about this who actually watches the show regularly. And I think I have um, Emma on the podcast next week, who I know is also really oh, into this. Yeah. Um, but first of all, very excited about Gabby and her 29-page PDF of guys she's <laughs> dated with, slept with, wants to date, wants to sleep with, need to get my hands mm-hmm. on that immediately. Um, but I thought the dynamic in the house is just so odd that Sierra in particular keeps saying that Gabby isn't deep or doesn't is just like surface level the things that we've heard from her again many are in confessionals but Mm -hmm. the thing this week that she shared about when did you notice that you were um, pretty but you were a person of color was like so hard hitting and I thought such a deep conversation that we all held and then Sierra wasn't there. Um yeah, you know, I have such a complicated relationship. I'm very obviously I'm a black woman. I'm very pro and since I grew up I was a military family. So I was born overseas, I grew up overseas. I always was around a very diverse group of people until I moved to the states. Um because when you're a military family overseas, you that's who you got. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's that's who you got um, as far as Americans. I am a big fan and proponent of letting Black women be whoever they are authentically. And that's what I get from Gabby. She may not be what everybody else is used to or the Black woman that everyone else is used to, but that's who she is. And that mm-hmm. doesn't make her any less Black. And I don't think it makes her any less um, wanting of Black friendships or anything like that. 
and maybe that's just because how I grew up, I got that label often, um, which was like, oh, you want to be white. You don't want to have black friends. You And I said, that's not it at all. I, at a time I would crave um, friendships. Like when I was younger, when I first moved, excuse me, to the States, I would crave friendships. I wanted other little black girls to be friends with, but where I moved, they were like, you're weird. And I still would go out of my way to try and like, and not all of them, obviously, but and it was just like, okay. And I had a, no friends for a long time, like no friends. My first day of school in the United States, I got called the N-word. But I oh just my like, God. yeah, oh. I just, so, I'm just I'm like. I'm so it, sorry. Oh, it's fine. But I mean. It's, it's not fine. fine. So, <laughs> but oh, like, I'll, I'll never forget the shock on my mom's face when I came home and told her either. She was just like, but I don't expect Sierra to be there. My issue with the. Sierra of it all, I don't need them to get along either, but I would have thought there was a better understanding there of everything. My issue is that you're so surface level. You're so surface level. I don't know too much about you either, Sierra. You know what I mean? I don't, I, I don't know what, what, what she means by that. And I wish somebody would ask her, but I think Gabby came in. She was like, this is me. This is who I am. I'm entertaining. Um, and I know I'm entertaining and I also knew who Gabby was before. Cause I was a big fan of her sister. I read mm. her sister's book. Um, and I listened to their podcast. So I was very excited. But one thing I realized I I've been racking my brain about it because I've just been like, I don't get it. Sierra and Maya are over here. And that conversation that they had in the kitchen really, really, really bothered me. And I was like, I'm, I'm not getting it. But then I realized, I don't think Sierra and Maya would be as close if, Maya didn't go to Sierra as the only other black woman in the house looking for like, you know, a safe space. And I would have done the same thing if that were me in a primarily white space. And there's only one other black person in general. I, I literally would go to the other black woman in or black person in general and be like, hey, so is this kind of how this is? I think. And again, this is just my perception. I think Sierra started to realize how things there's a camera. There's a whole crew here. I think she started to realize like, oh shit, I'm gonna, this is gonna be looking bad for me. I came in the house with Luke. I was the only black girl here. It's gonna look like I don't support black women. And I don't think that Sierra doesn't support black women. I just think that the optics of it were more obvious. I think Sierra is a person that is, she's strikingly gorgeous. I think she's a person that's used to people coming to her. Yeah, I think she's used to people coming to come to her. And I think that's what she was looking for. And Maya, I I can't put my finger on it. I don't know. I saw a side of her this year that I was like, interesting. Um, But I think Maya thought, okay, I I gravitated towards Sierra. So Gabby's going to gravitate towards us. Mm -hmm. But she's her own person. I think she tried to... She came into the house with Sam. You know, I think that's another difference. She came in the house with Sam. Maya essentially came. The only other new person was Alex. Oh, and yeah. That, that's a, a guy. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm, yeah. I'm not going to go to a guy that I don't know. Um, you know, and Alex was Asian, but still, like, I'm not going to go to that. She found solace in Sierra because she it's he, she looked like her. So I just find that conversation that they hosted last year about being um, I, a minority, but then even further than that, a black woman in the Hamptons surrounded by 
white people and then, you know, other people of color and feeling othered. Interesting to then have another black woman in the house this year and to be like, what's going on with her? She's, you know, everything's so surface level. I, 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 no, I was I, just like, I think okay. you hit that, that they expected Gabby to kind of go to them. And when she didn't, mm-hmm. they judged. Yeah. And again, you guys talked about how hard it was to come in. So why did you not extend that? Extend, exactly. I didn't, I don't feel like they went out of their way to make, I think maybe they thought, oh, Sam and Gabby have each other. But mm-hmm. both Sam and Gabby have gone on the record saying like they gravitated to each other, not just because they came at the same time, but they genuinely like mm-hmm. get along. Yeah. And I know? don't think anybody needs to go out of their way to, um, you know, befriend anybody if they don't want to. But again, it's because of the conversation that they hosted last year. Right. It was this whole thing. Okay. I had my feelings about it in general, but I was like, you guys did host that conversation producer forced or not and then this is how you treat another black woman in the house when you said oh it's hard to be in this space what did you think about the conversation from salsa night where danielle and said that having chris in the house made her feel more comfortable being open being a latina woman being hispanic um let me just be very clear i'm not a latina woman um so i can't speak on danielle's experience whatsoever I think that a lot of people were doing are doing it a disservice by throwing Lindsay into the mix and bringing up Lindsay when Danielle talks about that from what just a lot of the conversations that I've seen because at the end of the day Lindsay may be white but that's that's about it I don't think I, as far as I know Lindsay never told Danielle don't act like you're well, what does that a Latino do with Lindsay woman. sorry I don't a, follow a, the conversations online oh a lot of people were like <laughs> oh. Yeah, because Lindsay makes everything about herself. You can make something like we could be having a conversation. You can make a lot of things about yourself, Mandy, but I'm still a black woman. And if I, right. you know what I mean? I think that there's something deeper to that than just being at the Hamptons because there, everything's nuanced. Um, I had my feelings about... Like the Danielle had a conversation with Sierra about her hair, about their hair a couple years ago that I was, I did feel like there's an element that was missing because while Danielle, Danielle's a Latina woman, I can see that her hair is beautiful and curly, but it is still accepted. It's still more acceptable. Yeah. Like, let me say this. It's still more acceptable than she, my she hair. She was able to, to kind of be sort of not white passing because but like mm-hmm. what's so interesting yeah. to me is is she talked about like the Hamptons, but the majority of the time she lives in New York City, of which there is a very large Hispanic population and there's no need to try and like fit in to be more white. But mm-hmm. if you choose to do that, like like why? Like why are you repressing? And I, I want to know more about that from Danielle. I feel like yeah. There's a lot to unpack there. And it was the most interesting thing I feel like I've ever heard her say about herself. I, I, yeah, there is. And I, I, I've complicated not feelings about how Danielle is, but how she um, has talked about being Hispanic in the past, because the conversation last year with uh, like Maya and Sierra, um, I remember specifically Danielle said, like, I think they're so brave when the conversation happened. They're so brave because I, 
I've never been brave enough to even like, you know, speak that or say like, oh, you like all my time in the Hamptons, you know, I've never brought up that I'm Hispanic. I just kind of, you know, go with the flow. But when Danielle and Sierra got into the argument and the glass was thrown, which is not was not related to race at all. Danielle went and had conversations and interviews and she sat down and she was asked by the people interviewing her, like, how did you feel about, you know, that in the conversation of, you know, I think Sierra said as the only person of color in the house, I've done that before. I've been like, oh, I'm the only person of color here, but really there's somebody, there is a there's non, another, another person non- of color. You, you mean yeah, black woman, like, oh but gosh. you have been exactly. kind of taught to kind of say person exactly. of color. However, yeah. Danielle didn't have that problem. She didn't feel othered in that conversation. She didn't feel like she wasn't represented in that conversation until her the and glass. Sierra got into the I argument, see. until a black woman threw the glass at you. Taria you had a similar that. take on this, I remember, yeah. if I'm trying to remember yeah. back. Yeah, Taria and I have talked about it at nauseum because I, at first I was just like, well, I've done that before, my bad, blah, blah. And Taria was like, girl, no, she didn't say that until, and I was like, oh shit, you're right. Like, yeah. I was like, and that's, that is, that is an issue for me because it's like, you, you now made this issue about another issue and they're not, and I'm seeing a pattern with Danielle. And about you, you're making it about you when yeah, it's not about, yeah, you're about making, you. Ex- exactly. I'm noticing yeah. a pattern with Danielle that she often has problems intertwining issues and then making things about herself right she has problems separating things out Mm -hmm. it's hard when you have conversations about race and Mm -hmm. about things like that because like i was talking to Sharia, and she's like you have to say black woman because like only black women have black women experiences hispanic Mm -hmm. women have hispanic women experiences not Mm -hmm. just kind of it's just not the same experiences no and but people often try to relate right to each mm-hmm. other because they they want to connect and so it's like oh we can connect because we're both part of these like marginalized or outsider othered groups but mm-hmm. sometimes you over overdo it in a way that you're yeah. not letting space for the other person to like explain mm-hmm. their own experiences and i think often when black people start talking about their experience there's a lot of nuance and there's a lot of gray area when it comes to minorities in general but there's when it feels like when black people start talking about, you know, our experiences, it seems like the door flies wide open for everybody to then pile on. And I'm not saying that, like, again, that nuance is a thing. Like, I'm not saying that, like, oh, this is only an us thing. There are similarities. However, it's just so it can be so deafening. Right. When we are speaking about our experiences and then somebody, you know, of that might be a Latina a or yeah, yeah, a different race that's not white. And they, it's, it's, and they start saying, it's and complicated. Then white people start yeah. listening to them instead of us, because there's a respectability there, like a respectable, you know, minority. And I'm using air quotes for everybody who can't see me. It's just, it can be deafening. And yeah. And I think people do it initially often out of mm-hmm. trying to relate. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, but it, it it's like how I try to relate as like, well, I'm a Jewish person, so I can understand from this perspective what it's like to mm-hmm. be othered in certain situations. But it's not. But everyone's experience is unique and you need to give them space to be able to talk. Mm-hmm. I'm happy that with that being said, I'm happy that Danielle 
found a little bit of camaraderie with Chris. Um, I still think there, I don't, I don't know. I would love to see, I think that there's needs to be more diversity in the summer house in general, because <laughs> why not? You know what I mean? Um, I have always said that I think it also needs to be like a kind of more rotating. And I started saying that back when Amanda and Kyle were getting married. Cause I was like, where do we go from here? Right. Like, w- what are we going to do? Yeah, I like having people come for certain weekends. Like, I love having mm-hmm. Andrea and meeting Lexi. I don't think Lexi is comfortable in front of a camera at Mm-mm. all, but it's so nice seeing the person that he was crying over last year to see how happy he is, you mm-hmm. know, and, and to kind of like their real life friends with Carl and Lindsay. So I think yeah. it's going to be really nice for next week's episode for Lindsay and Carl to have some true friends who are really happy for them at their engagement party, because clearly a number of their castmates are not happy, you know, but it's fun to have like, I wish Luke would come back for a, 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 you know, weekend or two, I wish we could like rotate in and out, not everyone has to be full time, Mm -hmm. kind of, I feel like it, it makes the dynamic kind of interesting. Yeah, with that being said, I love Sam and Gabby, and I do want them to rebuild the summer house. I think that they're the perfect transition um, to build the summer house around them. I really want to see Alex back. I really want to see Alex back. Um, I don't have a problem with Chris. I like specifically, I don't care if he comes back or not. There's a few things with him that I'm like, okay, all right, calm down a little bit. It's just that Gabby said that she didn't like Chris made me decide that maybe there's something with him that I don't like. But I, he hasn't shown it entirely other than not knowing women's names, not wanting, like, almost saying, like, the reason I liked her is because she had big tits. Like, those mm-hmm. kinds of, like, he seems a bit misogynistic. Um, but if Gabby, okay. I don't know, I feel like Gabby is, like, one of those people who I just kind of trust her instincts for whatever mm-hmm. reason. Like, I don't know that I would think this about other people, but with her, if she decides that she doesn't like him in the house, like, I don't know. Well, he, yeah, and that, I'm going to tell you the truth, and I get it. I've come from a military family. My family was Air Force. That turn maggots thing, I'm like, I need. What turn? Sorry, what do you mean? He says, like, he'll be like, get up, turn maggot, like, da 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 da. Oh, I don't even know what that is. It's it's a phrase that they use in I guess the Marine. I don't okay. know if he was in Marines. Yeah, literally never clocked it over again. He says it over and over again, and I'm like, dude, you know you sound like you're saying something else. Oh, like every time he says it, I'm like, I'm like, okay, all right, all right. I don't. He also I found it weird because he got interviewed by somebody and he was like, I don't know why I wasn't shown. He goes, I actually got into an argument with somebody um, over the summer and it it doesn't air. And so when Gabby, I guess said that I was like, well, hold on. What is that? What happened? And who was it with? I have a feeling it was Gabby because she, she said on Donnie and Chelsea's podcast, I don't like him. (laughs) (laughs) and there was a bravo rep on the line because they weren't even talking about bravo it was like they were Mm -hmm. talking about some movie from 2003 what a girl wants i did listen to that i did listen to that yeah it was like some movie that i don't remember but she was like i don't like him and i i don't know i immediately was like i side with you (laughs) 
I think I thought she, I, cause I listened to that episode. I think I thought maybe she was talking, they were talking about somebody in the show. I think I missed that, but I do remember her saying, well, I don't like him, but I didn't realize she was talking about Chris. I thought she was, if I'm missing it, then like, then. Oh no, I, she, there's she's a very lot that I get wrong. <laughs> yeah. And, and but, don't pick up on including the term you were mentioning. Yeah. It's just, there's some, the, what, what else really rubbed me the wrong way was, Okay, you guys are like making jokes, taking the girls' items, blah, 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 blah. None of the girls laughed. He took the underwear. He took the brush. He took the... In all of the girls, like even down to Paige, who like I feel like I know will laugh a lot of things off. Um, They were all like, what the hell? Like I've been looking for that. Like I felt like they were all just kind of turned off in a way. Yeah. I don't know. Because whose underwear? He took Sierra's underwear. Yeah. That's so creepy. It is like something I about like, him kind of creeps me out a little bit. I thing. I don't know. I'm just not vibing with him the way I am with Sam and Gabby. Mm-hmm. I just Same. really. Gabby's I also just, really want Alex back. Yeah, I mean the Honda. What Honda Civic? That was, was the, that was the best line ever. That was enough for him to come back for me and do this all over again. And my heart actually broke for him when he was like. Yeah, you know, when like in the, when they were having the conversation about race, when he was like, yeah, somebody at one of your parties co- called me. Uh, thought I was like the help that was like working Yeah, I thought, yeah. yeah. Called yeah. me, I was going to say called me a server or a waiter, but then I was like, they don't have servers or waiters or whatever at those parties. But yeah, they called him the help. And I was like, what? Well, I also I was know. like, what do you guys have at these parties? <sighs> But it is interesting to watch. I feel like we haven't seen conversations about race as much in some of these other shows because they aren't diverse enough. You know, there's mm-hmm. not enough people to have a conversation. Um, but on Summer House, it feels like when they do have these conversations, like the white people tend to kind of just listen, which I yeah, find refreshing. I, I thought that everybody um, did great. The only person that I was really turned off by was Paige during that conversation. Um which not this week, but the one last the, year. Yeah, the race conversation. Be- I she cried, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, she not. It's not that she cried. It she cried, and then it turned into Sierra consoling her, which I right. don't think even Sierra noticed. And it's not right. the time for that. Right. Like yeah. I, I just I was really I got the really big ick by From that. that. Hmm. And I've, had, I've talked about race before with my white friends and they've cried at like hearing some of the stories that I've told. Yeah. But they still, they were like, don't, don't, it's not about me. Like keep, you know what I mean? Keep going. Yeah. I think that I also think Paige cried a little bit out of fear. <laughs> <laughs> she's ter- she's ter- the girl talks about, she's terrified of being canceled. She says that often. Like she's like, and she said one thing that people are like, Hey, maybe don't say that. And she went ghost for two weeks. Oh, my God. She's really scared of that. At the same time, I feel like as a Bravo community, people, especially people that look like me, tend to love to call others racist and like, you need to be fired and da 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 and like not really listening to, I don't know. I I feel like people go like overboard with so many things. And it's like, let's just... Like, I think there is uh, no one's more vicious than like the keyboard warriors going after Mm -hmm. someone for whatever they think that person has done wrong. But like, let's all take like a deep breath and like give people space to mess up and give people space to do better. Like, I'm not talking about racist comments. I'm like, 
Yeah, no, I get what you're saying. Perceive the wrong way, you know. I think the thing that irritated me most about Paige and that shit was that I what exactly what you said, and I'm not in. I always say this about Bravo people, celebrities in general. I'm not in your DMs. I'm there are wild people on the internet. I have gotten hate messages about standing up for standing up for Lindsay Hubbard that I've had to block people and report them over. But my thing with Paige was like, she literally got, everybody was like, girl, it's fine. Just don't say that again and say, sorry. Everybody said that her and she was, still was like, Bleh. and it took her like two or three weeks to say anything. What, I was what like, did she oh say? God. I don't even remember. On her podcast with uh, Hannah, they were talking about James Bond or this, and this is years ago, who should play the next James Bond, something like that. Idris Elba. They said, they said, no, they said the guy from Bridgerton. Um, the oh, Duke. yeah. And she goes, oh my God, he's gorgeous. He's this. She talks about all his physical attributes and she goes, and on top of that, he's light skinned. And everybody was like, oh, girl, you did not just say that. And you could tell she, she probably was very, I don't think Paige even knew what, knew she what that said. meant. Yeah. No, I don't think she even ever knew like what that even was. So a lot of it was confusion, but it was like, she, and I've heard her say comments and she's like, what is even being canceled anymore? Is Stassi even canceled? And I was like, okay, well, Stassi called the police on a black woman. So let's not do that. There's two different levels there. Yeah, no, that's the kind, that's exactly the kind of comment that's like, hey, maybe just don't say this because it means this other thing, right? Mm-hmm. But the way that sometimes the Bravo community can go after people, makes, oh, yeah, you know, over and it's like, you're not giving her space to make mistakes. People mess up all the time. We use language all the time that hurts other people. And we yeah. learn, we learn, you know? Yeah, a hundred percent. I don't think, I don't think Paige is a racist. I don't think that, no. you know, I just think she's an asshole and that does not, yeah. really doesn't have anything to do with race in general. I think she's an asshole. Um, but I think there's, especially with the Bravo community, there's so much like gray area because I don't think that everybody needs to have liberal politics to be on Bravo or to be on TV. I'm totally fine with people being you know, more conservative, whatever. But when you start getting people that are being ignorant, when your politics directly align with hate, that's the problem for me because they shouldn't. Politics and ideologies and that, those are all separate things. And you can be a conservative person and not be a racist. And you can be a conservative person and not be a transphobe because apparently this new woman on Beverly Hills is like super like transphobic. And her and her husband are, and they've said really um, messed up things. And I said, see, this is my issue because Bravo, you, once again, we're in a position of where you couldn't find anybody else. Right. Another conservative person, that's fine, but some, not somebody who's ignorant and hateful. It's, it's hard because like, I feel like. We, I don't know. I, I'm probably speaking on my ass, but I think you and I were messaging about the things that Giselle was saying about Jewish people mm-hmm. and yeah. how, like, I do view what she said as being anti-Semitic, but I don't believe yeah. it, like, rises to the level of not her being on TV. Like, no, no, no. Like, you can, you can no. move on from this. I don't know what this new woman on Beverly Hills said about trans people. So, like, if it's, like, full-on hate and there's no growth that can come from there, 
than like kick them to the curb. But I do think a lot of what comes out uh, when it comes to anti-Semitism, when it comes to transphobia, is just like not knowing. There's just a lot of mm-hmm. like, and then it being so accepted in popular culture to make those yeah. kind of comments so that you think that they're reasonable comments to make if you, especially if yeah. you grow up in certain parts of the country. And so mm-hmm. it's not until like you're on TV and there's a different kind of audience and you're being like, under the microscope that you realize, oh, maybe I shouldn't say things in this way, or it actually really offends this group of people. Or anyway, so I kind of like Britney's mom from Vanderpump Rules. Yes. Yeah. She, I mean, I think she's an asshole, but, and like, she, she she was homophobic. She was homophobic. Yep. But I'm not surprised because that's a white woman from Kentucky. Right. Right, but then Britney's like closest friends are gay mm-hmm. and she is yeah. close with them. So things are very complex. Like, I think there's just mm-hmm. so much gray and I just um the audience I feel like can be very sort of vigilante. Like we feel oh, like it's yeah. on us to fix the injustices that we see on the Bravo screen and we're mm-hmm. going to come and we're going to go after Schwartz and Sandy's business because we think that it's our job to fix what happened and it's like sometimes you know people are so messy and our society is so messy and mm-hmm. and sometimes we're just watching a reflection of that mess and like 100%. I think it's an interesting line of knowing like when to kick someone off such as Jenny from Salt Lake which was like mm-hmm. for me like very clear versus yeah. and and Kelly Dodd very clear but then there's other people who I'm like I don't know I like Giselle she, Giselle's a perfect example and she says things that are colorist and she says things that are anti-semitic and she says things that are homophobic but like I don't know that she rises to that level it's yeah no I know like clarity reason. you know yeah, the reasons I don't want to see Giselle Bryant on my screen have nothing to do with her being any. Uh, no, she doesn't disorders. share anything about herself anymore. And I, th- I think she she triggers me in a different way because mm. um, I have family that are just like her, and she's from down south, where my family that you know I have bad relationships with her. So she really does remind me of some of my aunts that just not a great relationship there. Um, I think she's a rude person to her core. Mm-hmm. I think she's an asshole like an, an actual asshole. And then there's aspects of like being in the black church and being a first lady that I just, mm. and I've, and again, I've seen, I've ha- had some really great first ladies, women that just are so nurturing and mothering and, um, you know, just really want to help and be there for others. And then you have women like Giselle, first ladies like Giselle. Totally. Oh my God. I just realized the time. I'm so sorry. No, it's okay. More of your time. No, 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 you're <laughs> fine. You're fine. I really love these conversations because I like, I don't know. I, I just, my favorite thing is connecting with people on this reality TV stuff and talking about Same. real life issues mm-hmm. and how, like, how do we go from like summer house to talking about like homophobia and transphobia and like mm-hmm. colorism? Like, I would not get what colorism was if I mm-hmm. didn't watch the Real Housewives of Potomac and have black friends. Like I would yeah. not get it. And it is I think yeah. Mind it brings people together. Well it can bring people together. And that's what really irritates me with the division in the Bravo community is specifically because like I grew up again, I grew up overseas a lot of times and like I come from a military family. Um, I grew up watching people politically spar and no one on all ends of the spectrum. Um, 
and no one got offended. No one offended anybody with their politics. No one, because we all knew. And, you know, I grew up watching people talk about things in pop culture. And I was like, girl, you think so? Like, you really think Halle Berry? And it's like, yeah, I love her. It's like, I don't know. I'm not really feeling her. And no one was offended. It's not that big of a deal. You know what I mean? That's what I try to bring with my podcast and my page Right. And things like that. Like, it's just, we can all talk and have a good time about it, but we we don't really need to argue. It's just when people, what pisses me off is when people refuse to see another side of things. I totally. get, you know what I mean? Like, again, wrap it back in the summer house. Like, I get when people say they don't like Lindsay. I get when people say they love Paige. Like, I understand it. It's not going to change how I feel about anything. Right. But I get it. And you can like her. Just don't be... Like, don't be like, oh, Lindsay, everything Lindsay does is bad because I hate her. Like, come on. I love hearing the other side, though, because I've always thought she was quite selfish, not in a bad way, just like in a Mm self-preservation way. And so like, yeah, she's probably not asking Danielle things about herself. But when you explained how you are as a friend and how you assume your friends will come to you when there's something Mm -hmm. that they really want to talk about that's sensitive, like that hit for me. I'm like, oh, I would have never thought that that was a thing and Mm -hmm. that's what's so it's so interesting to like talk and just see different sides of how people are interpreting what we're seeing on tv right like yeah we all watch it and we all have our own interpretations and Mm -hmm. i think it's fun to talk about so thank you so much for being on the podcast and thank you for taking so much of your time (laughs) yeah absolutely so busy on thursdays um tell everyone where they can find you, anything you want to plug. If you have any upcoming stand-up shows, please, please share. Um, so you can find me online over at Who Asked Me Podcast on Instagram. I am at Who Asks Zell. Zell is S-E-L-L-E on TikTok. I don't, I'm going to say this and, oh, I don't have any shows. Um, I don't, I don't have anything lined up as far as stand-up, but I am hosting reality TV trivia If you're in the Raleigh-Durham area, um, we are doing Vanderpump Rules on this upcoming Wednesday, May 10th um, from 6 to 8 at Melanated Wine in Durham. Amazing. Oh, my God. That sounds like such a fun gig. It is. I just started started doing this reality TV uh, trivia. I pitched it to my uh, friends who own Melanated Wine. And they're like, yeah, absolutely. We did Real Housewives of Potomac. And it was, you know, we had a few people show up. It was probably like 12 people. And it was fun. It's not a big venue at all. But it was it was a good time. We played trivia. We all talked about, you know, who we liked, who we disliked, what we wanted to see. So it's a good time. Oh, that's so fun. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. And we will have to chat soon. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs>